I was thinking of what we can speak on today. Don't worry, I'm not going to give you a whole half hour, guys, because Jesus is worth our entire lives. But I think most of what needs to be said can also be said in this time, in a shorter time. Because, guys, I want to read to you from Philippians, Philippians chapter 2. Which says, in verse 5, you should have the same attitude toward one another that Christ Jesus had. Who, though he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a slave, by looking like other men, and by sharing in human nature. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We're going to be able to continue that thought to its conclusion, to the the resurrection and the glorification of Jesus in a couple days. But right now I just want us to hang on to these thoughts. Jesus had everything. Not only did He have all the power, all the knowledge, all of the the glory, He was free and exempt from the brokenness of this world. He did not have to face sickness or death or pain or suffering. And when these things did come into the world... It wasn't his fault. When we brought suffering into this world, first Adam, or first Eve, and then Adam, and then all of us, God did not have to enter into that brokenness. He could have stayed right where he was. And he could have said, I'm just hanging out here in this perfect place. And if, you want, if anyone wants to join me, they're welcome to, if they're worthy. He could have said that. He absolutely could have. And I, in my own selfish heart, if I were God, odds are I probably would have done something along those lines. At least something to say. You got to show that you got some skin in the game. You got to show me that you mean it. You got to you got to do good enough. You got to try hard enough. You got to commit strongly enough. And then maybe, maybe I'll think about letting you in, letting you into heaven, but only on probation, right? That is not the kind of God that we face, a kind of God that we have. We have a God that looked on each and every one of us, you and me, and that person we love more than anyone else in the world and the person we hate more than anyone else in the world. He looked at every one of us. He saw us at our worst and he said, I'm going to give everything to pay for every wrong that that person has done. 
every wrong that I have done, every wrong that you have done, I will pay for it. So that we don't have to. He came into our broken lives. And He lived with us. And He died for us. And it is so important for us to remember that. Because Jesus did not just come to tell you, try to be better for me. He said, I have come to love you at your worst and to give you everything. So that you can have life with me that you do not deserve. This is grace. Grace acknowledges how bad sin is. So much more than any legalistic rules that we can have demanding commitment. It says that sin is so bad that you and I could never have paid for it. We could never have done enough good to make up for it. As if, as if I could hurt my wife, Tamara, and, and then say, you, you need to forgive me because I bought you flowers. How many times does that work? It doesn't. It acknowledges just how deeply broken we are and grace says I will pay for every bit of it and I will heal you and you don't have to do a thing to earn it because you can't do a thing to earn it all you have to do is trust me and I will take care of it for you this is the gospel but what I love and what I want us to be leaving here today is two things First of all, is to trust in this grace. If there's any of us here, we might have been coming to church our whole lives and still have always thought that God was looking down on us with this conditional love. I will love you if you're worthy. If you've always thought that, Trust in Jesus' perfect, complete, full, unconditional love that He showed to you when He died for you at your worst. And you can have life with Him. And for each of us who have trusted Him, who say, yes, I know that, we never move beyond the cross. We never move beyond our need for the cross. We always, always need to circle back and remember how deeply He loves us. Because that is what changes a life. Which leads me into my next point. The changed life. Because Paul didn't just say to the Philippian church, this is what Jesus did for you. No. He actually started, that was verse 5, he says starting in verse 1, He says, therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort provided by love, any fellowship in the Spirit, any affection or mercy, complete my joy and be of the same mind. 
by having the same love, being united in spirit and having one purpose. Instead of being motivated by selfish ambition or vanity, each of you should, in humility, be moved to treat one another as more important than yourself. Each of you should be concerned not only about your own interests, but about the other interests of the interests of others as well. And then we get to that first verse we read at the beginning. You should have the same attitude toward one another that Christ Jesus had toward you. May the cross remind us not just of Jesus' great love for each and every one of us. May His love for me and for each of you remind us that He loves everyone else just as much as He loves you. And may that love, the love of Christ, compel us to act in the best interests of all of the people that God loves. That's a complicated thing in this world. It's a very complicated and difficult thing. But Jesus was willing to enter into my broken life. And then he turns around and calls us to love others in the middle of their brokenness as well. So let's do that, all right? Let's love with the love of Christ.